Lord, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you, Lord God, for restoration. I thank you that this is a new day. I thank you for the restoration of all things. I thank you for the restoration, Lord God, of land, of resources, of finance, and glory. Tonight I feel to share about union with Christ. Because last night I was talking about tabernacles. Look at Lawrence. He's just incredible, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's his hair. He's just got the most glorious hair. So we are moving towards tabernacles. As I said last night, there's three Jewish feasts that men were told to go to Jerusalem to encounter God. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Tabernacles represents fullness. Tabernacles represents walking in the fullness of Christ. The apostolic ministry, the true apostolic ministry, is there to equip the saints, not just for service, but so that we walk into the fullness of Christ. And there's something called union with him. It's like there's three levels, if you like. First is becoming a Christian, born again, where we're born of above. Then some of us move further and you get baptized in the Spirit. You move into Pentecost. But there's something beyond and it's tabernacles, it's fullness. But another way of describing it is union with Christ. So I want to read a few scriptures and then I want to talk about how. Because God wants to do something tonight. And over the next few weeks, and it's, it's not a microwave generation, it's not a McDonald's God, so it may not happen just here tonight. Union with Christ. Romans 6, 1-5 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. See, before I even gone, God has got a dream. We have not walked. We've walked in crumbs. We have walked in crumbs. We have walked in crumbs. But there's something God is calling us to. It's a place where you're totally united with him. The scripture says it's already happened. But we all know that somehow we have to attain this. We have to walk into this. By faith. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a life that's new. Listen to this. For if we have been united with him in death like his we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection. We read scriptures like this and we know it theologically, we know it hypothetically, but somehow we have to enter into this death where we are no longer living, but we are dead to self, dead to our will, dead to our ways and fully in union with him. This is a different version 
It says, don't you know, and it's Romans 6, 3 to 11, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him, union, united, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. <laughs> death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 21. Just bear with me, I'm laying a foundation. Because these scriptures speak about something that I really believe very few of us have entered into. Even though it's happened, Jesus has already done it. It is finished, he said, but we have to walk into this somehow. And this is the fullness. This is where it's going. It's not just revival. It was Martin Luther who said that God wanted to release a, was it a race of Christs on the earth. Christs. Not that we are Christ, but we have been crucified with him and if we get the revelation by faith that we have been buried with him that we have been resurrected with him and that Christ in us transforms, transforms us into his image the spirit is bringing illumination to the world and the world is declaring that we have died we have been crucified. We have been raised to new life. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and who was raised again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Christ accomplished it. Get the point. There's something happened. But there's also a path to this becoming reality in our lives. We have died with Christ so that we can become like Christ. But yet somehow we're not walking in the reality of that. But I want to talk about tonight how what is it God is going to do to bring us into this reality where we can be one with him? Even Paul 
who wrote the words about us being crucified, said, in Philippians 3, 10 to 12, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And he says, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. See, Paul had already wrote about dying to self and being crucified and been buried and raised again. But then here he's saying, yeah, I have not attained this. But it's available for us beyond the veil that we can become like Christ. But there is a process So how? What is it God's going to do? How is God going to take us to fullness of tabernacles, to walk in the fullness of the glory, to be restored like Adam again on earth, beyond Adam because Adam didn't fulfill what he was born for? How is Christ going to do this? He has already done it on the cross but how is it going to become reality in our lives? And the message I have tonight that God is going to release a fire. I believe part of what was happening to you today was fire. And listen, we might think that's disturbing or whatever. When the seraphim come, it is scary. When the fire of God, do you know, do you know right, listen to this. We want revival, we say. Revival is not nice and tidy. Do you know there was a plaque, right, written in, the, in um, Wesley Chapel in Bristol? Right, Wesley, John Wesley, we all think amazing, absolutely incredible. Do you know there was a plaque written? And it said the night God fell on that place, when John Wesley spoke, Every pew got smashed. Every pew got smashed. What does that look like? God is coming like a consuming fire. And it's not always nice and tidy. And we might think that can't be right. But listen, the fire is coming and the fire burns. Smith Wigglesworth said the Holy Ghost is a great assimilation to the whole body when he comes in you will feel fire going through your body you feel a burning of an uh, yeah you feel a burning of all inward corruption the baptism of the Holy Ghost is essential to bring you into a divine holy fire which burns up all dross and quickens all purity, making you ablaze for perfect love to continue. Pentecost is not just about the gifts. That's what we've made it to be. We said if you get baptized in the Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. Yeah, tongues may come, but it's the Pentecost, it was about the fire. 
A fire came and rested upon every one of them. A fire came. Why? Because it was about sanctification, making them ready for something greater, which is absolute God taking over our bodies, consuming us, where we become one with him. Madame Guyon says, what does God do then? He sends before him his own wisdom as fire. As fire will be sent upon the earth to consume by its activity all the impurity that is there. Fire consumes all things and nothing resists its activity. It is the same with wisdom. It consumes all impurity in the creature to prepare him. Listen. To prepare him for divine union. There is a truth in the heavenlies that we have been crucified. We have been buried and we have been resurrected. But the fire is coming to make that real. To make it real in your experience, in my experience, so that we can come into fullness and walk in the fullness of who Christ is. <laughs> Hebrews twelve twenty six to 29. This is something that's coming. This is something that God is doing. <coughs> Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this... Yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. There's many things that we have built. And there's many things in us. I'm not pointing fingers because it's in me as well. There's tears in my soul. There's tears in me. There's things in us that means we can't walk in the reality of what the scripture says about us being buried and resurrected with him. But there is a shaking coming. And the shaking is related to the fire because God is a consuming fire and he's coming to burn everything in us, everything in me, everything in you. Like Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he saw the seraphim and the seraphim came with coals of fire and put it on the lips of Isaiah. Revelation 3:18 to 21. This is what God, this is God telling us what to do. He says, here's what I want you to do. That's a good indication. 
buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes from me so that you can see readily, see the fire that's coming makes us truly rich because it burns away everything that hinders in us and everything that hinders in the church so that God can build his true ecclesia. But it's more than that. It's so that we can become fully united with him, union with Christ. Look at me, I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. We have to buy. Buy gold that's been through the refiner's fire. How do we buy? How do we buy? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We give of ourselves. We give of ourselves. We buy the gold. Because the wood and the hay and the stubble won't stand in these days. And that's talking about me, the things in me. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, Lord, come with the fire. Burn up the stuff in me that's not right. Burn up the stuff in me that hinders full union with him. Buy it in heaven. Buy from him. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Malachi 3 verse 1 to 4. This is something that God is releasing on the earth right now. Let him who has ears to hear. Listen, I will send my messenger before me to prepare the way. And then the one you're looking for will come suddenly to his temple. The messenger of God's promise to bring you great joy. Yes, he is surely coming says the Lord Almighty. But who can live when he appears? Who can endure his coming? For he is like a blazing fire, refining precious metal, and he can bleach the dirtiest garments. Like a refiner of silver, he will sit and closely watch as the dross is burned away. He will purify the Levites, the ministers of God, refining them like gold or silver, so that they will do their work for God with pure hearts. Then once more the Lord will enjoy the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did before. John walked in the spirit and power of Elijah. But the spirit and power of Elijah is coming again. Jesus said that Elijah shall come to restore all things. And that Elijah shall come to restore the sons to the fathers. But it comes like a purifying fire because it prepares the way of the Lord. 
it prepares the way of the Lord. And I'm not just talking about the second coming. It prepares the way of him suddenly coming to his temple. The fire purifies us. The fire burns up inward corruption. Everything that hinders God, it burns up all impurity. It enables us to walk in the fullness of his love. And the fire prepares us for holy union with Christ. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, that he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or, wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. The water of the word, but the word is also a fire. My word to you shall be like a fire. My word to you shall be like a hammer. And his fire is coming to change our very DNA. Without spot or blemish. A perfect bride with no spots or blemishes. Not by our own efforts, but because of the fire that comes. And it prepares us for union, the union that's been, it's been finished and it's been done for us at the cross, but we haven't walked in the reality of it. Fire consumes all things. Nothing resists its activity. It's the same with wisdom. It consumes all impurity in the creature to prepare him for divine union. And the fire that's coming is also related to the seven spirits of God. Revelation 4, 5 says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and voices and thunders. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are seven spirits of God. Revelation 3 1 says, And to the angel of the church and said, This right, these are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Jesus has the seven spirits. The seven spirits are seven burning lamps. The seven spirits of God are seven burning lamps that stand before the throne. And Jesus said, I have the seven spirits. Jesus functioned under the seven burning lamps. Isaiah 11.2, this is what the seven spirits are. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Rest speaks of habitation, not just visitation. Rest speaks of fullness resting upon him. Paul Keith Davis says that the spirit has moved through many, but rested on few. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. 
If Jesus had the seven burning lamps upon him, if he had the seven spirits of God working through him, the spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, then we must walk under the same seven spirits because we are to be like him. As he is, so are we. One John four seventeen says, "In this union and communion with Him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection within us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, with assurance and boldness to face Him, because as He is, so are we in the world. As He is." The reality that we have been crucified and buried and resurrected is coming. And the fire is coming. A fire is coming greater than we've ever seen. Bob Jones gave a prophecy before he died. And I'm going to read this prophecy. And it's called the baptism of fire. You see, I'm still talking about tabernacles. I'm still talking about the new day. I'm still walk talking about walking on a level that we've never seen. I'm still talking about an army that's rising. But it's an army of people who look like Christ. Union with him. Union with him. Bob was handed a huge white egg. And as it was placed in his hand, it began to hatch open. As he drew closer to examine the egg, he saw that it had fire inside. And it was like a birthing of fire. This egg represents a new birthing a new life because it represents the second birthing of the baptism of fire. This baptism will be far greater than Pentecost and more powerful than Azusa Street of recent times. I believe we're all getting ready to be birthed a second time in fire. This was the timing and we will see the fire of God. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Bob continues, he says, it is the same kind of fire as the, as the burning bush that was not consumed. I believe that now is a time of commissioning like Moses when he received his instructions. When the egg opens, the wisdom that will be given is that of the Father's will because it will reveal the Father's heart to us. Then our only testing will be obedience to that which the Father puts in our conscience. The baptism of fire means that plagues and viruses cannot cling to it. No demonic control can survive around it and the enemy cannot trouble you. The baptism of fire will bring in holiness and holiness is one of the main words this year. 
God is a holy God, and we are, when we are consumed by the baptism of fire, anything unholy that comes into it, into our presence, will not be able to stand. The power of this consuming fire will cause demons to flee and sickness, disease, infirmities, and plagues to die instantly. There will be no question that the power of God is resident in His people. And the fire is to cleanse us and change us, change our DNA, that we may become the mature sons. All creation is groaning for the mature sons. And the fire is not just a tame fire. It's not just a fire that comes just so that we have a nice wee revival. It's coming to change us so that we are changed into the image of him. Union, full union with him. The reality of what Jesus has done will be actually functioning through us because we will walk into the fullness of tabernacles. And we will have true union with him. This is what union looks like. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what union looks like. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I was at a friend's house in Wales a few years ago. And he's a prophet, and he began to prophesy that one of the most powerful prophet prophecies I've heard in a long time. And he began to prophesy and say, there's coming a day, there is coming a day where there will be a generation of people who will say, no longer I, but Christ. It won't just be quoting a scripture, it won't just be theology, but they will say, no longer I that live, but Christ. This is union where we can say, it's not my will any longer. It's him in me, working in me and through me, changing me into his image. No longer I. We'll have union with his mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. When the fire comes and burns up all the mindsets we've got, all the ideas about God, do you know we've made God in our image? We've built structures, ministries, and said this is God. The fire is coming to consume all and to consume the mindsets so that we will walk in the mind of Christ. His thoughts will be our thoughts. His opinions will be our opinions. What he thinks about something, a situation, a political event, we think. We'll have union with his will. Luke twenty-two forty-two says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. John 5.19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, verily, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. 
he can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. He could do nothing. Jesus was a mature son, wasn't he? Why do we think we can have all these programs and plans? Jesus said, I can do nothing without him. And he only did what he saw the Father doing. That's why we need to ask God to give us eyes salve so that we can know and see and hear and discern what the Father is doing. So that we will walk in the union of his will. Romans 8, 26. This is union. Union. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It's union in prayer and union in his heart. When we do not know what to pray, we have union in him. But for all this to happen, we need the fire to burn up everything in us that's not of him. Union with his heart. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. The fire. The reality that we will be able to say no longer I live but Christ. We will walk in union with him, union with his mind, union with his will, union with his ways. But it's the fire that's going to come. And can I say that the fire doesn't always feel good? <laughs> I, I want to actually pray for everybody tonight. And... If you don't want prayer, that's fine. But it's to release the fire. But it's not a one-time event. It's not a microwave God. This is like the altar, if you like. But there is joy in it. Because Jesus endured the cross because of the joy. It's not all doom and gloom. Absolutely not. Lawrence will tell you that. But there is a fire that's coming. Because we can't do it ourselves, that's why. We can't make ourselves into this mature son. We can't make ourselves in union with him, but we can say yes to the fire. We can say yes to him being in us, working in us and through us. So the question is, are you willing to say yes to the fire that God wants to release? Let's stand up. Put the music on, just put it down a wee bit lower so you can hear me speak. Okay. 
Father. Lord, I ask everybody here is hungry. Everybody here is desiring this. Everybody here wants to walk in the fullness of tabernacles. We know that it's a new day. We know, Lord God, that we want to walk in union with you. We want to be like you. We want to be possessed by you. We want to have your mind. But Lord, you want to release a fire that burns up all inward corruption. Lord, release the fire. Put your hand in the person next to you and just release fire. Father, we just receive that this is a day of fire, a fresh baptism, a fresh baptism of fire that's greater than Azusa Street. It's greater than Pentecost. And it prepares us for union. It prepares us as a company of people for union. It prepares Ireland for the new day. And it's a glorious fire where we can say, no longer I live, but Christ. And when the demons look at you, they see Christ. And when the principalities and the powers look at you, you can say, no longer I live, but Christ. And sickness cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. And there's coming a day where the corporate body of Christ will not have one sick among them. Sickness will be burned up in all of us. Sickness will be burned. Disease will be burned. All resistance to the new day will be burned. The wood, the hay, the stubble will be burned. And the spirit and power of Elijah will come. The spirit and the power of Elijah will come to prepare the way of the Lord. That he may come suddenly to his temple. And we are his temple. We are his temple. Let the fire begin to burn. Let the fire burn in Eric, Lord. Let the fire burn in Eric, Lord. May he be changed. Burn up disease. May he be whole. May the fire burn up all disease. Jesus, release your fire. Release your fire. Release your fire, Lord. Release your fire. 
not a tame fire lord but a wildfire that burns up everything in us that hinders the dross lord release your fire lord release your fire lord Lord, release the angels of fire. Release the seraphim, Lord. Let the seraphim come with coals of fire. And Lord, put the coals on the lips of the people. Fire, Lord. Fire. Fire. May this truly be a company of burning hearts. Ireland on fire, 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 may this be the day of fire, Lord let the power of fire come back to your house, the power of fire.